sounds like what I'm hearing you say that retakes are okay. Avoid canceling when possible, but it's okay to do it. Just don't cancel a ton. Try to get your applications in before Thanksgiving mm -hmm. is a pretty good place to be. Hi everyone, welcome to the 7th Stage LSAT Podcast. My name is Henry Ewing and I'm joined with my co-host today. Asta Sinha, and today, once again, we are joined by a special guest. I'll let you introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Jake Baska and I'm one of the admissions consultants at 7th Stage and came to 7th Stage after working in higher ed admissions for 14 years, including seven years as the director of admissions and financial aid at Notre Dame Law School. I always like throwing in the and financial aid. It's less consequential at this time of year, but come scholarship negotiation season, that all, it comes back real quick. Um, and now at Seven Sage, I'm one of the guys who helps students navigate the admissions process on document creation, strategy side, and then kind of like I hinted, post-application side, you know, waitlist strategy, admit strategy, all that good stuff. It's awesome to have you on here because I feel like a lot of the questions that we get as LSAT instructors or tutors or anything like that is more so related to the admission side of things than anything else. You know, I think I'm really good at the LSAT and I can talk about that forever, but in terms of getting into law school, I am not your girl. Um, I just don't know that much about it. So I'd love to ask you some questions about that part of the process, since most people who are taking the LSAT are dealing with that alongside it. And we're recording at that time of year where the August and September LSATs have just happened. The October is coming up. This is the crunch time for, or the combination of the LSAT calendar and the admissions calendar. Um, so like the full moon is out. It, it's, it's the time. The intersection of fate and destiny. Ooh, yeah. indeed. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been waiting to, to whip that one out. I, I just okay. seized the opportunity. Um, well, great. So, you know, you mentioned how uh, you are an admissions counselor. And obviously, we're mm -hmm. not admissions counselor. I think Austin yep. uh, correctly identified that. Uh, and so when it comes to dealing with the LSAT, generally what me and Austin deal with is like uh, getting you a good LSAT score. Yeah. Um, that's all I know. And I'll have, yeah. uh, as I said, you know, I have clients that ask me like, well, what should I do in this case? And I have to say like, I have no idea. And then I direct them yeah. to your excellent <laughs> services, everyone. <laughs> and I highly recommend everyone check out the uh, seven stage admissions consulting package mm -hmm. with access to expert consultants such as Jacob himself. Um, not me though. Right? I don't really know a lot in terms of getting into law school. Uh, both Austin and I have actually never mm -hmm. been to law school. We are exclusively uh, LSAT oriented. And I guess really to 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 start off the bat, I'd like to know a little bit about the GRE versus the LSAT. Because I know that some uh, schools end up taking the GRE yeah. or accepting the GRE. Is right. there a better one? I mean, there's a right answer here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I went back visually, mentally, spiritually, to the the preliminary debates about the validity of the GRE. So I'll make this short. This isn't like old man Jake's session. Like, gather around, kids. Let me let me tell you about the GRE battles and the GRE wars. Um, okay, so the root of this, the roots of this are, uh, we're simultaneously in the precipitous national decline in applications in the uh, post- uh, housing boom, bust, etc. So 2008, 9, 10, we hit that big recession. And then applications to law school surge right then. But then in 11, 12, 13, they plummet. They fall off a cliff to the tune of 25, 30% nationally. Okay, so apps are down, step one. Everyone's medians correspondingly go down by three points, four points on the LSAT. Okay, to the, I know. So to make everyone listening to this feel jealous, like, why wasn't I born 10 years earlier? Um, man, like, LSAT 
our low point at Notre Dame, our LSAT median was a 163 for two years. And for a lot of the T14, it went down to a 167, 168. Okay, so like that's that's what we're talking about here. Um, so there are a dearth of applicants and deans want to do anything they can to boost applications. Factor one. Factor two. Um, so and let's remember, and I guess, I mean, you guys wouldn't, me, and any, any old people listening to this, let's remember what the LSAT used to be like. It was offered four or five times a year in person. That's it. So you had to get to a test center in September, October, November, February, April, June. That was it. Okay. There was no other flexibility. And if you got frozen out of your local test center, that meant you had to drive or take a bus or a train to the next test center, which could be two hours away. Okay. So there's also accessibility issues. Okay. And so a number of deans said, well, wait a second, let's address both of these issues by looking at the GRE and to see if the GRE is a valid and reliable test because ABA standard 503 uh, to quote scripture and verse, says that law schools have to use a reliable and valid entrance exam, i.e. the LSAT. One question is why the LSAT? Because it is a reliable test. It does gauge your, or does predict your uh, law school GPA. Not perfectly. It's not a crystal ball, but it's predictive. And it's valid. If you take the LSAT multiple times neutrally, so not using an LSAT tutor from 7th stage, for example, between takes, right? But like if you take it on September 1st and then retake it on October 1st with similar practice, you're probably going to do the same. You're going to be in the same score radius, right? Or score band. So Dean said, well, gosh, 5033 doesn't say we can't use other tests. So what about the GRE? What about the GMAT? What about et cetera, et cetera? So that's where that came into play. Um, now, we were actually part of those validity studies at Notre Dame. What we found through working with ETS was that ETS was good enough to, to admit, yes, the LSAT is a better predictor, but the GRE is a pretty good predictor. It gets you into the ballpark. And they were looking at our students, students at other schools of Notre Dame's quality, schools above Notre Dame's quality, and then lower ranked schools too. And they did a big cross-section people who had already taken the LSAT to get into law school. But hey, I'm going to pay you, Henry, current Notre Dame law student, to go take the GRE, okay? And you get more money if you do better. So it's in your best interest to do better. And what everyone found was that uh, the reading section, the qualitative section, was the most predictive. The math section had some validity. The writing section had negative validity. Do mm. not look at the writing section, okay? Interesting. Further... They created that delightful tool on ETS's website, which converts uh, math and verbal qualitative and quantitative scores to an LSAT. This is based on their studies. Okay. This is chapter one of the wars. Then chapter two is how U.S. News considered it, which was U.S. News gave equal weight, 40% and 40% to qualitative and quantitative, despite the fact that ETS's research showed they're not co-equal. They gave 20% weight to the writing section, even though ETS said that actually has negative predictive validity. And further, the cherry on top of the Sunday, they looked at percentiles. Why is that an issue? Because, hey, two very smart people. Who takes the GRE? Losers. <laughs> you can't I mean, say not that. Not the LSAT now. <laughs> <laughs> But like, okay, Asta, how about you? Who takes, who takes the jury? 
Uh, usually younger people try to get a master's, right? But in what fields? Oh, like humanities and, you know, or not STEM math, fields. Or yeah. physics. Oh, okay. Or, I mean, right. this is the entree for PhD programs and master's programs in any number got of fields. It, got it's, it. used, right. okay. you can, it's also used. It's not preferred for MBA programs, but it's used. So, and let's remember, what kind of math is on the GRE? It is pre-calc and lower, okay? So you have the significant testing population for whom you're basically giving them remedial math. Mm -hmm. So many people get a perfect score that the test curve is shot, okay? 5% of test takers get a perfect math score. If you get one question wrong, you're in the 96th percentile or the 94th percentile. Oh, wow. So it is nearly impossible per the formula U.S. News came up with to have an, a GRE score that helps law schools with over a like 166, 167 LSAT median. And so law schools were caught in the shuffle of, so what do we take into account? Like what we think is probably more valid or what us news is doing or do we just kind of push this off to the side and like henry said go with the winning exam the lsat and <laughs> yeah um i do wonder if we're entering into a new phase of that though with the way that schools um we'll see how they respond to us news changing their formula this year i wonder mm -hmm. if everyone has taken a big dose of reality medicine and realized us news is simultaneously important and yet tells us absolutely nothing like mm -hmm. Does anyone believe that Duke is a better law school than Harvard because Duke is now tied with Harvard? Like that's no no one's going to say that. Okay. With no with no offense to Duke by any stretch of the imagination yeah, at all. You're coming okay. from a blue de devil family here, okay? Um, yeah, like that. my mom went to I, Duke. I was to use like a school that we would always compete with Boston University. BU mm -hmm. is in the historically the 20 to 25 neighborhood. Does anyone believe that BU is actually not as good of a law school based on their outcomes as Ohio State is, who jumped above uh, BU this year? And these are all really good law schools, but you go to one school over another because you have different goals, different targets, blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just to take the LSAT, man. Like, just do good at that and <laughs> yeah. get a 175 and, like, solve all the problems. Um, yeah, then life is good and you're good to go. If you have a 4-0, go rock out on the GRE, and you're going to have certain doors open to you because at least you have one stat that's going to be above everyone's medians. But mm -hmm. if you are that student who got a master's degree already, and you have a 3-5 GPA, that's going to be below the medians at, at certainly the T14, 20, 30, 40 schools. Sorry, kids. Like, go take that LSAT. Go go <laughs> hire go hire a seven-stage yeah. tutor. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. And go rock out on the LSAT. As a That's as really a master's helpful. student who took the LSAT, uh, yeah, I, I recommend that too. Who also does not have, uh, you know, above a three point five. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah know, that that that's your that's your cleanest path. And also financially, like mm -hmm. if scholarship mm -hmm. is going to be a bigger deal, there simply are bigger scholarship packages given to higher LSATs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yep, helpful yep, yep. advice. So yeah, so thanks for following me down that rabbit hole. So it, it seems <laughs> like the LSAT is, is, is the better. At least for right yep. now, we should we should uh, add that for right now, the LSAT is the the more favorable test to take. And everyone recognizes that the LSAT is more predictive. LSAC's mm -hmm. research has shown that law school research and even ETS. ETS is this isn't a Coke Pepsi thing where Pepsi's like no we're better and Coke says no we're better. In this situation, Pepsi is saying actually Coke's better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but we're we're close. We're close, mm -hmm. guys. That's what ETS's argument is, and they are more accessible. Uh, to come back to those original points. Mm -hmm. the G you can take the GRE any day of the week 
in almost any market around the country. And so this was a far more accessible exam. It was a far cheaper exam. And I think that this really pushed LSAC to digitize the LSAT. The real final kick there was uh, was COVID. Right. Um, but you can now take the LSAT how many times a year it's it's offered now eight 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 times seven eight yeah right yeah um and because it's offered digitally there's far more capacity now obviously there are issues with the digital exam because again we're recording this august september which like people listening to this in the future just don't look up what happened in august and september it'll just make <laughs> you, don't you want to know you don't yeah, need to yeah. think about it it's done <laughs> it's over it's now more accessible it's now more open lsic has partnered with different um prep organizations like khan academy to also improve tutoring access, but also there are a lot more organizations like Seven Sage that exist now to also improve access to the LSAT too. Um, so it's just, mm -hmm. it's different now than it was 10 years ago as far as LSAT accessibility. But 10 years ago, the LSAT was four times a year local, you snooze, you lose, and tough, tough luck, kid, as opposed to now, okay, you, yeah. you missed out on September, no worries, you can still sign up for October. You missed that, no worries, November. Um, it's, a, it's much different now. Yeah, and, and to anyone who's, who's thinking about accessibility too, I, I do want to mention that uh, if you have a fee waiver with LSAC, uh, we offer Seven yep. Sage uh, for a dollar a month uh, for the duration of that fee waiver. A dollar so, a year. Oh, it's a dollar a year, actually. A dollar, oh, a, dollar a year. A year. Yeah. Wow. So take that extra eleven dollars. Yeah. Go treat yourself to something nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> go get a coffee, yeah, yeah. Oh maybe two God, coffees exactly. depending on where you live. Um, <laughs> yep. But no, I'm with you. I think on that note, though, talking about the different test dates, another huge mm -hmm. question that I get from a lot of students is when is too late to take the test especially yeah. at this time of year let's say somebody took august and they're not super happy with their score right. is october too late is november too late like am i not going to get in yeah. law school this cycle what should i do and i think a lot of students try to decide between that trade-off of mm -hmm. is it worth it to retake in november and potentially score five points higher and then send in my application a couple months later than i was intending to uh, yeah. What advice do you typically give students who are in that decision? And this is really subjective just because your factors are unique to you. But but a mm -hmm. couple of the standard factors I kind of walk students through. I mean, first of all, where were you practicing and where did you score? What's the variance here? So if you were PTing around a 170 and you got a 169, yeah, that's a difference, but that's actually not a drastic difference. If you were PTing at a 170 and you got a 165, five points is a gap both mm -hmm. in terms of competitiveness for admission as well as scholarship. Okay, so you may still be above the medians for uh, Cardozo uh, in the New York City area, but are you going to get more scholarship money at a 167 versus a 65? Likely. Okay, so there could be a financial component to matters. So step one. Step two, um, what are we talking about as far as ideal goals for law school as well as acceptable goals? So looking ahead to the end of this process, a year from now, is an acceptable goal schools that are in your current LSAT score range. Okay, so to use the 165 and Cardozo, if I were to tell you, hey, looking at your stats and looking at Cardozo stats, and then let's go to uh, Reddit or let's go to law school data, and let's look at the scholarship awards the students in your range got. If you got that from this school, would you be really happy and be really excited to go to law school? Or the flip, are you only going to go to law school if if you can score 170 and gain admission to a T14 or a T20 school? That's mm -hmm. the acceptable floor, okay? Well, then it's better to apply to a T14 with a 170 median in December with a 170 versus September with a 165, okay? That's, that's you know, 
pretty clear. Um, additionally, you know, where is your GPA at? So is that already high or is that low? So if that's low, then you really do need to put more weight on the LSAT just on a statistical level. But if it's high, that buys you a little wiggle room potentially. Similarly, the strength of your resume, the strength of your application. So there are the theoretical students who have such a strong resume. They have a 4.0 GPA. Sure, they scored a little bit lower on the LSAT. But that's more a matter of scholarship probably for this student than it is for admissions purposes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a little different. So then after talking through these factors in general, it's best to apply before, say, Thanksgiving. Okay, historically, Thanksgiving is a great early deadline that if you're getting your apps in before that, that should not be detrimental towards your eventual decision or scholarship award. Moving into December, you get a little gray zone, and then January is when the big tidal wave of applications comes in. So it's best to avoid January. Mm. But this is also where, um, so right now, as we're recording this in September, uh, the October LSAT is still possible. The November LSAT is still possible. So I'm nudging people, hey, if you can take October, that's not the end of the world. I would encourage you to work a little more on your personal statements and documents right now just to get them queued up while you're still prepping for the LSAT so we can turn things around. And if you're looking ahead to November, oh yeah, like we should get these documents done in the next couple of weeks. So then you can really spend the next month just focusing on the LSAT. If you can't take it until January, and and there are students for whom that's the case, especially international, because it's only offered four times a year still internationally. Again, if it's that, we can create that hypothetical, but to use an easy one, you're at, you were PTing in the 170s, you got a 165. The, ex- the acceptable schools for you are only the T14. Look, yeah, it's probably better for you just to wait until January. Put all of your eggs in that basket and see how that goes. And then to talk about a similar issue, but perhaps, you know, it, it's tangential. If at that time you want to shoot your shot, that's not crazy. Let's say you get a 174 or 173 on the January LSAT. You, you know, application deadlines are still open, or applications are still open. Deadlines are coming up. You have to move quickly. There's you, you are having a lower chance of admission because offers have already been made, but the wait list is still out there, okay? You can still network and talk with admissions offices, and if things don't pan out but you were still a good applicant, they would be excited for you to reapply next year. The, the cost to you is your sanity, uh, writing out a wait list, right? Mm-hmm. There's a financial cost in application fees. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also not a problem to apply a second time, especially if when they see your first application, they see, hey, he took the, the January LSAT. That's where he got his big bump. He, he shot his shot, didn't work out, and now he's back. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's totally fine. So okay. what's like preferably the end of the road? I'd say November, that that's the last one. That's really good advice. I don't want this to just turn purely into an admissions uh, podcast, but let's say you are that person you take in January. Um, you don't get accepted. Maybe you ride the wait list. How, how, how do they view someone who would reapply the next year then? Like they applied in January and then they'd reapply. Yeah. And is it, 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 are reapplicants viewed very similarly? Um, are they viewed yeah. slightly differently? And, and let's, let's assume that you, you were professional through the whole process. Okay. Which I know like that's a weird thing to say, Mm-hmm. And yet, you can imagine from the admissions desk, um, some people act really weird. And and it's a stressful process. I got you. But, um, you know, you offer them a spot on the wait list on April 1st, and they immediately email you back and say, I need a decision by April 15th. End of discussion. Like, Oh, wow. Okay. Nothing else made them. <laughs> I, I think I can give you a decision. No. 
Uh, that is the decision. Um, but you know what I mean. So if you're professional, if you're polite, if you use the summer to connect with the admissions office where possible. So like if Michigan does their standard waitlist Zoom meetings, you know, attend one of those. If Georgetown does their uh, waitlist group interviews, do one of those. Be professional, be polite, be engaged. And then if it doesn't work out at the end of the summer, try to have a conversation with them to say, hey, you know, I applied late. I've been on the waitlist. I would love to reapply this year. Um, and, and just initiate that conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is this is also part of that professionalism. But then jumping ahead to the actual application process, it is not a problem to reapply. Okay, it is it, if you were not admitted the first time around. We'll we'll touch on I admitted to you, you canceled, and now you're reapplying. That's similar and yet different because of the key thing of I asked you to prom, you said no, and now <laughs> what? <laughs> like okay, but if we didn't admit you and now you're reapplying. That's not a bad thing. Um, I will re-review your app. So we will see last year's application or the application from two years in your review queue. And we'll do a quick spot check over it just to see what was the deal two, three years ago. And Mm -hmm. most importantly, we're taking in, uh, we're looking at what were your stats then? So did you graduate, for example? Did you retake the LSAT? Also, we're looking at character and fitness. Did you answer Mm -hmm. yes to a character and fitness question a couple years ago? And if so, what'd you say? Now, let me look at this year's application to make sure you kept your story straight. Okay. Um, But then after that, I think it's also a great opportunity. Um, One issue we run into with a lot of the students we work with on the consulting side of Seven Sages, how do I condense everything I want to say into a two-page personal statement? It's like, well, guess what, friend? You now have a four-page personal statement. You had part (laughs) one on last year's application. You have part two this time. Cool. Good for you. Um, That's one way to look at, you know, an additional application. But also you have the opportunity to tell the school, I'm still here. I'm still interested. I went through the wait list and I learned, I use that as an opportunity to learn more about the school, to network more. And here's what I learned and why you guys are still in the running, why I still would like to attend your school. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Um, That's powerful. Okay. And, And in admissions, we tend to be, uh, people, people. We tend to like working with people. We tend to like the underdog who really, you know, is still there. But now to go back to the candidate who we admitted, mm-hmm. so the, co- you know, tangential or corollary story, um, it is really necessary to explain why did you say no? Because we gave you our best sales pitch. So why didn't it work out? And as long as it's understandable. So f- things like, you know, um, Grandma died. Uh, f- yeah, family issues yeah. popped up. Or like in in like we had students who would get drafted for professional sports leagues and hey, I wanted to give it a shot. But that's really understandable as opposed to if your reason was so thanks for the offer. It wasn't a bad offer, but I didn't get into the schools I really wanted to get into. So I'm taking my shot at them again. And by the way, you're still my backup girl. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I got better things to do than than that because I'm not going to hold it against you. On the other hand, in my heart, being a person, person, I want to, if I'll make offers to the people who want to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that that is something to address if you were admitted and now are reapplying. What happened and why should I not feel silly admitting you a second time, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what I'm hearing you say. It's, it's a lot less about like it's you're slighting them and more of like, well, you're getting the sense that this is not your right. first choice and you want to admit people who like you're their first choice. Oh, totally. Uh, and, and fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, you know, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah. give me reason to believe. And also not just me. Remember, faculty are reading these files at most schools. They are far tougher than I am. 
okay and mm -hmm. they take it personal because they they really are putting their you know they've been here for 30 years so yeah. why should they believe um and law professors tend to be very logical people who you know rely on things like evidence and proof <laughs> like, yeah go figure so give them something right yeah um even if it's a white lie like uh yeah gra no, not grandma died but like family circumstances arose like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to question family circumstances. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. reasonable. That makes so, a lot of sense. Just on the record, we are endorsing lying on your application <laughs> uh, at Seven Sage. It's very important to do the, so. It prepares the tutoring you to be a side. The yes. tutoring side is endorsing that. The consulting <laughs> yes. side okay. is yeah, not yeah, endorsing yeah, that. Yeah, yes. yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, that checks out. I do think though this whole conversation about timeline and reapp reapplying is really helpful for a lot of people to listen to. I think something we've talked about on this podcast before is that. A lot of the people we talk to with the LSAT, it feels very do or die. Like if it doesn't mm -hmm. happen this testing cycle, if it doesn't happen on this specific exam, yeah. I'm never going to go to law school. I'm never going to be a lawyer. Everything is going to crumble and fall. Uh, but yep. I think talking about how reapplying is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes even a good thing, right? Gives you another opportunity mm -hmm. to pitch yourself um, and improve your score while you're at it is really helpful, right? I think puts things into perspective yep. that another year in the grand scheme of things is not the end of the world especially if you're opening up a lot more opportunities for yourself as far as schools go as far as scholarship goes all those things yeah and and further to that point too i think that sometimes students lose sight of how many amazing opportunities there are at law schools around the country too that in their mind and understandably so we all want to do our best we all want mm -hmm. to go to the the best school but I think of my friends who went to the regional schools. Um, so a Loyola in Chicago, a Temple in Philadelphia, a Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles, and are, and are now partners at their firms, right? Or are now lead prosecutors in the DA's office or things of that nature. There's something to be said for making the best of the opportunity that is present to you. And so, you know, again, let's go back to this notion of the gap between where you're PTing and where you actually score. It's okay to want to take a couple more cracks at it. It's also okay to say, I gave it three chances. I gave it four chances. I maxed out five chances. I still have a score that's going to help me to be competitive for admission at all these amazing schools that are in the 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. U.S. news rankings. Okay, And they're going to be a plethora of opportunities to me as long as I come ready to rock and roll. Okay, mm. And it's hard sometimes to help students open their eyes to that because you do see the numbers and you do know that gap and you do know how hard you tried for those extra three four points but the flip of this question of is it okay to keep retaking is it okay to reapply it's also okay to say i've done my best okay and now what do i do the, i have to change the plan but that's not a problem uh that's that's going to be the rest of your life to, to a yeah. large extent so to sound like an old person <laughs> um, roll with it. You know, sometimes th things don't go according to plan. And also, I think that there's a lot to be said for at least go through the admissions process, see what offers you get, visit the schools to which you were admitted, see what you like about them, because I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised for the most part. Um, yeah, as absolutely. to what's out there. Mm -hmm. On that note, I, I want to ask, from an admissions perspective, how do score cancellations and retakes look? Right. I yeah. know a lot of people get this advice of, oh, don't take the LSAT more than once. Don't take it more than twice. It looks really bad on law yeah. school apps. Um, the advice that we generally give is don't take the test until you're ready, until you're PTing mm -hmm. at a score that you'd be comfortable applying with. What but a as novel far concept. as cancellations. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, wow. but, but it's, Put your best foot yeah, forward. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but I talk to a lot of people who say that, you know, I just want to take it to try it out. Like, I just want to see yeah. what the LSAT's like. I want to see how it feels. Yeah, yeah. I haven't studied that much or I already signed up for this test date and I don't want to lose my registration money. Uh, but is it going to look bad if I don't score well? Yeah. Um, or is it going to look bad if I cancel? What are your, totally. your thoughts on that? Yeah. So back in, again, back in the day. So uh, pre-COVID, because this, that's really the sea change here. If there was a C, oh, so I guess we should explain this. On your uh, CAS report, which is the academic bundling of all of your documents for law school, transcripts, uh, test scores, LSAT writing sample, letters of rec, I will see, an admissions officer will see all of your LSAT test takes that are that are valid. So within the last five years, I will see the score, or I will see if you canceled, or if you were absent. And if you were hmm. absent, I will just see the letter A. Okay, and if you cancel, I will just see the letter C. And I will not know whether you canceled because of a score preview or you canceled because of tech issues or you canceled because you got sick on test day and, and had to bow out after an hour. Um, Pre-COVID, when all the LSATs were live, I knew that a C meant something happened on test day, like you mm. got sick during the exam or um, you uh, someone next to you had a panic attack and that really set you off or I know we focus on the issues of the digital LSAT, but in fairness, back in the day, um, it would not be weird to hear from students who got to the end of a section of the LSAT and they realized because this was all Scantron, you know, bubbles, like here's question 10, A, B, C, D, and you have to circle in your answer. Um, they would get to the end of a section and realize that they had skipped a question on their answer sheet. Oh, and God. they didn't know which one it was. <laughs> so oh they God. would try to go back. And I know, I know. So um, <sighs> wow. I knew C meant something happened. Now, I don't know what C means. It could be score preview. It could be something happened. On a technical level, per ABA standard 503, we have to take your highest score. So if you go mm -hmm. from a 150 to a 151 to a 175, I have to report that 175 if we admit you and if you enroll. For LSAC's data, the most predictive stat is your average LSAT, okay? So LSAC studies have shown, really, you're probably going to perform akin to, like, a kid with a 162, okay? Mm -hmm. the, the rough average of 150, 51, 75. Um, but I know I own that 175. Now, logically, I have to examine the rest of the file because clearly one of these two numbers is the real one. So how's your mm -hmm. GPA? How's your resume? How are your written pieces, et cetera? Um, but now back to cancels. I don't think any admissions officer views cancels in a weird way in isolation because stuff happens. Okay. Or we also understand there is this mentality from students, even though we tell them we have to report your highest exam. Trust us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like we're happy when you score high, if you go from a, if my median's a 168 and you go from a 160 to a 61 to a 69, I am overjoyed. This is great. Mm. I understand that some students don't want to show any weakness. So I get it. It does look weird once you have multiple cancels though. So for example, if you have cancel, cancel, 170, cancel, that's a little weird. Yeah. I would uh. rather see cancel 168 170 167 because at least 168 70 67 that's all in the same score band it's it's you missed one or two extra questions effectively mm -hmm. um so i typically advise only cancel if you if you bomb the heck out of it okay also and i mean this with respect to the people lsac who i like greatly professionally and they host fantastic conferences 
<laughs> in wonderful locations, you don't need to give LSAC more money than you have to. Um, so I, I think that score preview, I trust that they, they've done score preview to really give students the opportunity and to alleviate anxiety about presenting low scores. I do know in practice, it has introduced a level of game theory that students like they worry more now than they used to. Also, mm -hmm. it has opened up a lot of revenue for LSAC. <laughs> yeah. So, mm. um, as far as multiple well, it's an incredibly costly, come. you know, to let them know. Oh. Like, uh, very <laughs> costly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 70, 75 bucks. Well, is it mm -hmm. 75 if you buy it ahead of time or 75 I think if you it's buy it? 45 if you buy it ahead of time, 75 if you buy it later. Um, but it's also been a while since I've taken the test. So, I don't know if those are the right inflation still. exactly I mean, they have um, families that they need to feed you know right just, how are they going to put again, dinner on the table if again, not score ladies, ladies and gentlemen the the open bars at the conferences are lovely i mean i, yes. I highly recommend i highly recommend um yeah, exactly so but now as far as the multiple takes thing i am of a mind that and, and this is coming from being an admissions officer at notre dame law which is a hot a top school but also in the pecking order of schools it's not t14 uh, it's more in that 20 to 25 range yeah. philosophically, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. mentally. So, um, which means we're going to be fine. But like, like I said, every 169, I'm like, yeah, we got one. Oh, let's do it. And let alone the schools below us where they, they really are hustling a little bit more. Um, so I'm totally okay with multiple takes. You, if you feel like you have more points in you, go get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because far be it for me to tell you that you shouldn't add another point or two because that can be the difference between below median and median, mm -hmm. not admitted or admitted or right. admitted with 10,000 a year versus admitted with 30,000 a year in scholarship. That's, that's game changing. Yeah. Okay. So far, far be it for me. I do know there are some schools that do publicly say you should only take it no more than three times. I do wonder. And if I saw them at the open bar, I would ask them, <laughs> but for real, like, they take it a fourth time and they go from a 170 to a 173 because these are typically T14s. Right. You're not admitting that kid. Really? If that was the only <laughs> issue, really, really? Yeah. And see what they say. Um, now, as far as, yeah, like at this time of year, should they cancel? I think they should, a good thing to do is like contact seven sage consulting we do free consultations half hours we're happy yeah. to chat with you guys okay and yeah. as a pro tip schedule that consultation before the score release comes out just like make a reservation and then if you need to cancel it like no worries you just gave me a half hour of my life back all good <laughs> um and, and have us talk it out with you because we'll we'll yeah. go through that whole like where were you PTing? where did you score what are the schools we're talking about you know because those are all when, when can you retake it if you're abroad and you can only retake it in january uh... You know, let, let's talk that out with you a little bit. Right. Yeah. Awesome. No, that was super, super helpful. Great advice, not only for our listeners, but for me to just know, right, and carry on to students who ask in the future, because it's something that comes up so, 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 so often. Well, and I don't think, we, we didn't say this at the beginning of this podcast, but you guys contextualizing, like, we do great work on the tutoring side, and then our students turn around and are like, question, and your answer <laughs> is, we don't know. That's yeah. how Seven Sage Consulting was born, was the tutors collectively being like, ah, should we ask some <laughs> admissions people? And some admissions people were like, you know, it'd be pretty cool to step outside of an admissions office and to have our cats, you know, in our workspace and yeah. our children get, yeah, coming home and things like that. Oh, yeah. man, that'd be cool. And that's how Seven Sage Consulting was born. Wait, yeah. that's awesome. That's really mm -hmm. cute. 
It's nice to have cats and children. You know, <laughs> to give you guys something to aspire to, one day mm-hmm. it can be you. I promise. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Goodness. Well, Henry, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask before yeah, we wrap up here? No, no, no real closing thoughts. I, I just, I just to recap, it, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say that retakes are okay, but a lot of cancels might raise a couple eyebrows. So, yeah. so avo- avoid canceling five tests. Right, and if possible, maybe maybe be careful on that first one. Okay, people seem real trigger happy to cancel that first one, but ask, was this really a bomb? Like if yeah. I'm if I'm peaching at a 170, a 166 is not a bomb. A mm-hmm. 158 is a bomb. Okay, yeah. Like be careful there because the doomsday scenario isn't having a 166 and going up to a 170. It's canceling the 166, PTing at a 170, but then getting a 158 next time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to send a shiver down everyone's better than spine. None. Yeah. Exactly. It's, that sounds awful. I wouldn't know. I. I, I only. Oh we God, only improve Henry. at seven stage. It, it's only. It. It only goes up. Um. <laughs> the. So in, in that case, right. So I try to avoid canceling when possible, but it's okay to do it. Just don't cancel yep. a ton. Uh. Try to get your applications in before November. Uh, is a general yeah. rule. Now you you can yep. do later, but as a general rule, before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is a pretty good place to be. Yep. If it's uh, if you are going to take later, make sure it's like something that you are actually like you're peating five points higher, a, a real jump. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you underperformed yep. uh, for whatever reason, and then it's worth and that it. real jump is going to mean something for the schools that you care about, right? Okay. So yeah. it's not, I'm already at above the median for my dream school, but now I want to add five more points for my dream school. No, like mm-hmm. those five points are the difference between me and the dream school. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, let's say if, I guess I I have a couple of clients who are like real heavy hitters. Uh, maybe they get a 175. I used to wrap it up. Like, mm-hmm. is there a, a substantial difference between a 175 and a 178? No. Um no, um, no, <laughs> no, no, because so you like I wish LSAC would just give you a medal at that point and tell you like you won the LSAT. Congratulations, kid. You yeah. passed. Um, because you're at the medians for ev- you are at or above the median for every school. OK, so you mathematically you will not help any school anymore by being at a 178 versus a 175. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. And further, you are telling me. So imagine you're the Notre Dame admissions counselor and the student is applying to Notre Dame, and you retook on a 175, you're signaling to me right there that you don't care about me. You are, a, you care, and I knew this seeing the 175, but now you're really telling me I'm really targeting Harvard, Yale, Stanford. Mm-hmm. And so why should I admit you, dude? Like, you're not right. coming here. Right. That makes that sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, awesome. that makes a lot of sense. Thanks so much for your time. This was no, really insightful. Learned a ton, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Uh, yeah. If you are listening and you're studying for the October and November exam, good luck. If you took the August and September exam, hope it went well. Good luck with your applications. Seven Sage is here to support you in all aspects of your law school journey. Um, awesome. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Bye, guys. guys.